Welcome in film fans, this is the SDFP, the second day film podcast on this Thursday, the 26th of April. Thanks for joining us. We've got, what, our eighth episode, guys? We're just chugging right along. We've got official business cards, thanks to the popcorn correspondent. Sam, how you doing? Hey, doing good. Finally got our shipment in of the new uh, business cards and the new swag. It's pretty cool, man. You did a good job. If you see people at the Celebration North, you know, walking around with business cards telling that, telling you to like your our podcast, yep. that's Boom, the SDFP. So, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Champ, uh, how are you doing today, man? You're, uh, you're kind of the, the sole soldier on this one. I'm feeling good, dude. I'm happy that we got some swag. We're yeah. like, I feel like we're still only a three-person club, but so, you know, that's a little bit up in the air still, but at least our three-person club has got some swag. <laughs> that's right. We're pretty stoked about it. Uh, we got a bit of an abbreviated show this week. Sam's been crazy busy with work and uh, a few other things happening, and I've been going at a breakneck pace with the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, trying to catch up for Infinity War. That's going to be next week. That'll be a big release and a big show we'll have for you. Uh, so Champ's the only one who saw Isle of Dogs, but we put a poll out there on Facebook. Got a lot of feedback. We got mm -hmm. you know a couple dozen votes. Isle of Dogs won, so Champ... Uh, doing the due diligence of this podcast, and he's got the solo review. As Jalen Rose would say, we got to give the people what they want. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to do that. We'll see how the solo review goes. It should be interesting. Um, but before we get to that, um, and before we get to our first segment, which is who's watching what, we got to get to the ways to connect with us. And we've got these new business cards that show Absolutely. all of the ways. But Champ, how about you run it down as we do every episode? Yeah, the main way that we uh, correspond is on Facebook, Second Day Film Podcast. Go ahead and search us on there. You can do the same on SoundCloud and also on iTunes. Feel free to give us a rating, a review, subscribe. Uh, that's sort of like a, sort of a, a, a podcast tip jar, if you will. By doing that, it's super important in sort of developing the exposure. We're also on Twitter at Second Day Film. That's all written out. You can email us at secondayfilm at gmail.com. And also check out our website at www.secondayfilm.com. That's right. So uh, this, like we said, will be a bit of a shorter pod. Next week's going to be a pretty big show. So this one, uh, a little bit shorter, but we've got who's watching what before we do the featured review. So uh, Sam, let's start with you. What you've been watching lately and, and you like it? I mentioned a couple pods back, Dean. It was, uh, it's called Trust. It's on FX. It's a series about John Paul Getty and all the money in the world. There was actually a film that had come out not too long ago. It starred Mark Wahlberg in it. And it just shows how... You know, John Paul Getty's nephew gets kidnapped, the, the problems that arise with that, um, how money influences certain people, and what people do with their money. Um, it's a very, very unique concept, and FX has put out a lot of good shows. Obviously, I have a very strong backing behind them with, uh, you know, the annexation of Giovanni Versace <laughs> as one of my favorite shows. The, the assassination of <laughs> Giovanni Versace. <laughs> Hey, so you know, I'm having trouble could, with words. He, he could be, you know, annexed from society because of all the crimes he did. The annexation of Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a great run by what's her name? The the icebox. Hey, you know, we you are know, that's little why we love giants. You. Little giants. Pronunciation, you know, that's why we love you. The little yeah. thing. Anyways, fumble stumble. 
the Icebox ran the annexation of Puerto Rico for the Little Giants, and, and the Mud Dogs won the Bourbon Bowl. That's all I care about. What I think is funny about that show, Trust, though, is that obviously last year Ridley Scott had the movie All the Money in the World, yep. and then we were actually at the movie theater. We saw a trailer for this show, and I wonder if they just happened to both be in development at the same time, if right. that was a coincidence, or if they actually were trying to complement the movie that came out and sort of you know, capitalize on the sort of hype yeah. around that. I remember talking about that too because it was a uh, it was a very unique timing if it wasn't planned, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it's interesting. I think of you know, we talk Marvel, I think obviously Agents of Shield is a show that's trying to capitalize on the success of the film. So to see that kind of film T V crossover, whether or not that was intentional, that's yeah. pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. So you like it though. It, it's good so far. I've watched the uh, the first episode. It came out in March um twenty fifth was the first airing of the episode, but I've been trying to I got my other shows I have to finish first, so um, Unsolved, Tupac, Biggie Murders, coming okay. to an end. So, um, But yeah, I caught the first episode actually um, two nights ago, and uh, very impressed with the first, but always, you know, the first one's always the best, yeah. so it's the second that's really going to either pull me in or, Fair you know, enough. Yeah. toss me out. All right, Champ, what have you been watching? Uh, I've also been uh, diving into TV lately, and I've been watching uh, the new AMC series called The Terror. Uh, this is a 10-episode a uh, mini-series that is based on the 2007 best-selling novel by Dan, Dan Simmons. Um, it's about two Royal Navy ships, the Erebus and the titular The Terror, uh, and their expedition to find the Arctic's Northwest Passage in the 1840s. Um, and it's, they end up getting stuck, and instead they sort of discover a monstrous predator. Um, so that's sort of the setup to this show. I'm six episodes in, so it's kind of been... Uh, playing through and running along nicely. I'm always a sucker for these stylistic period dramas, uh, especially in this time period. I love the look of shows that take place in the 1800s. I just feel like that time period has such a rugged, uh, gritty, unique, distinct look to it. Um, the atmosphere and feel of this show is its biggest strength, I think. Um, you know, whether we're on like a frozen, frost-covered ship or like in dimly lit cabins in the depths of the ships or out in the open Arctic, with, uh, you know, where you can barely see anything. Uh, the setting really adds to the sense of dread within the show. Um, you know, there's one shot a few episodes ago that sort of encompasses the Northern Lights, and I've never seen, like, such a thing that's supposed to be beautiful look so creepy. Uh, the setting is sort of like a character in itself with this show because it has such a big impact on the men stranded. The show really plays on the fear of the unknown and what we do not know because, of course, these men are... They're in uncharted territory looking for a Northwest Passage they're not even sure exists. There's a good cast. It's sort of like a Game of Thrones reunion with Tobias Menzies and uh, Syrian Hines. Uh, they both play the leads, as well as Jared Harris, who's a well-known English actor uh, from shows like The Crown, Mad Men, Fringe, movies, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Sherlock Holmes, and Lincoln. Um, so it's a good show. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty brutal and violent, so if you're not into that, don't watch it, but I'm sort of digging it so far. I'm interested to see how they sort of wrap it up. Yeah, it sounds very interesting, actually, and I just wanted to uh, give you a shout-out, Champ, too, that you are very good at pronouncing words, <laughs> and that you do a really good job with that. Thank you. It's all in the tongue. It's okay. in the enunciation. <laughs> well, what I'm wondering, Champ, is uh, obviously it sounds like it's much more than just about the monster, but what I'm always curious about in these monster movies or monster shows is... 
Is it kind of a slow reveal as to what it actually is? Definitely a slow reveal. I mean, this movie, um, we've gotten, like I said, we're six episodes in, and we've gotten quick glimpses of this sort of monster. It sort of looks like a morphed polar bear. Um, huh. But it, we really haven't gotten like a straight shot of what it is. Right. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe they're kind of trying to trick us, and that isn't even the big monster. It's kind of like, I don't know where it's going to go, but it is definitely a case of slow reveal. And we've talked about this in yeah. horror films. We've talked about it in, in other monster movies. You don't want to reveal the threat too early because sometimes it, it ruins it. You know, you yeah. have the slow build and keeping it sort of, like I said, uh, the idea of fear and yeah. sort of the unknown is kind of what this show thrives on. Sometimes those reveals ruin it altogether. And we've even seen some films where, you know, the monster or whatever it is isn't even ever fully revealed. And that sometimes keeps the the care or the, the, the scare or the fear ambiguous and makes it better. I, we talked about Sinister last week and how the sort of bad demon in that show sort of lurks on the side of the screen. Yeah. We never really get a good uh, glimpse of it. And then Sinister 2 that came out a couple years ago was not nearly as good because we see Bagul full on. We see him way too much. And when you look at him so much, it's not creepy. This show, I think, is doing a good job sort of keeping the monster on the fringes, like either in yeah. the whiteout where you can't really see it or you'll just see like a paw or something like that. So it's... Uh, it's a pretty creepy show. I'm, I'm into it. That sounds like it. Yeah. yeah, like we've said, you know, a constant theme that we've run into while reviewing films and television shows, less is more sometimes. And that's, we're learning, I think, that that's more often uh, the case than not. All right, guys. So, as I've explained, I've been going through the Marvel Cinematic Universe in an attempt to, a frantic attempt to catch up before Avengers Infinity War, which will be next week's Megapod, if you will. The, that's going to be the first big summer blockbuster. I mean, it's coming out at the beginning, beginning of May. It's going to get its runtime. It's going to be a huge moneymaker, maybe after Black Panther. Leave it up to Avengers and Disney and Marvel Studios to rewrite what the summer movie season is. Usually that's Memorial Day to Labor Day. They're like, yeah, we think we'll do an April release. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, I've got through nine uh, of the 18. We already watched Black Panther, so that counts as my 10th, but I've gotten through all of phase one, which includes Iron Man, and in this order, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, The First Avenger, Marvel's The Avengers. That's phase one, and then I've also gotten through the first three in phase two, Iron Man 3, Thor, The Dark World, and Captain America, The Winter Soldier. So what I thought I'd do as kind of a warm-up for next week is run through through these first nine, what I really liked and maybe didn't like as much. So, my favorite film of the first nine that I've seen is probably The Avengers. Of course, it's the last film of Phase One. This is when all of our superheroes finally come together for the first time in a really uh, impressive film that culminates in an epic battle in New York City. And so at this point in the MCU, we have three, arguably four, main superheroes. We've got Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America... I think Hulk could maybe perhaps be considered your fourth main superhero, but also included in this initial installment of the Avengers are Black Widow and eventually Hawkeye, once he's brought back to the good side. So those six make up the team, and what director uh, Josh Whedon does so well, and we talked about this champ, is he features all of these superheroes throughout the film. They all kind of have their moments to shine. We learn much more about Black Widow and Hawkeye, uh, in this, and despite having six heroes that are prominently featured, it doesn't really ever feel like it's too much or like it's too crowded. I think that's a testament to balanced filmmaking, also a testament to the screenwriters who found a script that flows seamlessly between subplots and found ways to give characters their moments. Uh, what I also really liked 
are the scenes where the superheroes are fighting each other. Iron Man takes on Thor in the woods at one point. Later, Thor takes on the Hulk aboard the, the massive um, <laughs> aircraft that they're on. It's important to the story in that this group of superheroes, they don't just come together effortlessly. There's some kinks to work out. There are egos and motives that initially stand in the way of them working together. And I think it's also fun to just wonder who would beat who. If you put all these guys one-on-one. -on -one. Comic book fans love to talk about that. Like, oh, Thor would totally beat Iron Man or yeah. vice versa. So Avengers is my favorite through the first nine. Where does that stack up for you guys among all of them? Uh, Avengers easily in my top three of the MCU. Uh, mm -hmm. Just for all the reasons you just mentioned. And you also have Loki and Nick Fury in there as yeah. well mm -hmm. who need to get some screen time. So, yep, you're you right. know, there's there's even more characters that we didn't need. There's a few side ones. Uh, Agent Coulson, some of them that are in there as well. Oh. Um, for all their, And that just the, 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 the scale of seeing all these heroes, uh, you know, they do this sort of whip around shot when they're all standing there and they're finally fighting together and we see them all and they're taking on these monsters that are sent by Loki through Thanos and it's yeah. it's just a really cool scene especially when there's that sweeping shot where we're just going around New York and we see each of the characters taking people on in different ways I love right. when shows do that in sort of a one shot to incorporate everything that's going on it really gives you a sense of where everyone's at within yeah. the battle. I did love that shot. It's kind of like the shot of the movie where they've come together, they spin <laughs> yeah. around, it's really cool. Did you like the Avengers? Oh, Avengers is definitely up there for me as well. Um, kind of what we talked about a little bit earlier too, Dean, was that uh, how my favorite was Tony Stark. Is I know you said something about really liking Iron Man. Yeah. And I just love the attitude that he portrays. But then once all these guys come together, the attitude kind of clashes with all of like, especially Captain America. And I know... Champ, you're a big captain guy, which I'm. I mean, I'm all for America too. But they just have, they don't get along. They have completely different idea, ideologies. Yeah, Cap absolutely. is sort of like the golden boy character who but, does everything right and stands up for everything that's right. And and Tony Stark is the cocky playboy billionaire brush, philanthropist. Yeah, that he always likes it'll work out. its way out. Well, that transitions well to my next point, guys. I was going to jump right into my favorite character to this point, and yeah. I agree with you, Sam. At least as it pertains to where I'm at. It's, it's got to be, without a doubt, Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr., who's well-known as a real-life bad boy and party animal, is perfectly cast as the billionaire playboy Tony Stark. A Downey Jr. absolutely makes the Iron Man movies. The flair, arrogance, the humor he brings as Tony Stark. I think he makes him a, a bit of a different superhero. You, know, you have Chris Evans as Captain America, who he stands for all that is right and all that's good. You've got Chris Hemsworth plays Thor, and he's a hothead who... Kind of needs to learn how to calm down. Uh, but Iron Man has so much more depth to, to the character. Uh, uh, you know, over the course of his trilogy, we really see him grow. We see him become less selfish. We see him start to care about others, obviously, especially Pepper Potts. Yeah. Uh, he's even willing to sacrifice himself in the Avengers. He's willing to die to save the world. Uh, of course, after the Battle of New York in the third movie, he develops a severe anxiety. So we just see a lot of layers to Iron Man, yet... He still manages to maintain his swagger that makes the character fun. I will say, I've only gotten through the first three of Iron Man. I haven't gotten to the third Captain America or the third Thor. But uh, I, I really liked his character. And lastly, I will say, of all the incredible CGI in the MCU, and there's a ton, I really think the coolest uh, special effects are seen in Iron Man's suit. How it develops and progresses throughout the trilogy, then to the third film where Tony Stark is jumping off, you know, buildings and into suits in midair. 
Um, you know, well, the AI just, and Jarvis, it's just, it's really cool. Well, I was just going to say that I think his hard shell is really kept together by his suit, you know, being able to keep everything out because obviously his emotions are running wild. And uh, to be able to cape that, you know, I'm a badass, you're not kind of attitude is what we kind of see. You really have to to be tough, but we obviously see the little lighter side in the... Well, the reason that, you know, Tony Stark... I mean, there's a reason that Iron Man was the first movie that they made. It's because they clearly made a conscious choice to sort of center sort of the, the, the through story of this around Iron Man and Tony Stark is kind of the, the guy who's... In Stark so, Industries. Right. I mean, he, he kind of is the guy that encompasses everything that's happening. Um, and that's that was a conscious choice that they made. I do think part of it is because you haven't quite gotten through some of the other characters' yeah. sort of journey. So mm -hmm. uh, Iron Man, I mean, you'll see he's far from perfect. Sure. <laughs> no, it, and that's kind of why I like Tony Stark, is we see so many of his imperfections and his character flaws. And, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, you're right. I, I still need to see Civil War, which will be Captain America's third movie. I still need to see Thor Ragnarok, which will be Thor's third film. Um, but, yeah, Tony Stark and Iron Man, to this point, is my favorite. So my least favorite films and character are one and the same. I've got to say, the two Thor films have impressed me the least thus far. Thor is a unique challenge, I think, for the MCU because he's otherworldly. He's a demigod from outside of Earth. This is the first time in the series that we see kind of the the supernatural side of the MCU and how that how the universe and the outside world meshes together with Earth. We see it later, but Thor is the first time we see it. And I think I just was left wanting a little bit more of certain things. I think what they could have really capitalized on was Thor, you know, trying to find his way and figure out what Earth is really all about. Some of the best moments in the first Thor movie, I thought, were the humor and how his customs on Asgard didn't transition to Earth. Like him smashing down the coffee and screaming <laughs> in the little diner. That was funny, and I just felt like there wasn't much time spent on the crossover between worlds and how that would have worked. And I would have liked to see more of that. Um, you know, I will say this. What I loved about the Thor movies, the two I've seen, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, he steals the show. Yeah. I think he's by far the best performance. He's the best villain of all the villains that I've seen. I would, I've even seen Black Panther, and I would say Loki's... Loki's you know, pretty good. Loki's, I agree. You know, um, perhaps the top villain... Um, so far, uh, I, I thought, you know, look, I, I gave both of the Thor films a six, which is the lowest I gave any of the MCU films. That's pretty dang good. Yeah. And I mean, the lowest of the low for the Marvel films are still really high. Yeah. I mean, Thor sort of feels like, like you said, it's almost like a fantasy. It's like a sci-fi fantasy. So it feels a little bit out of place when you compare him to the rest of the Avengers. Um, you know, I think it took them a while to sort of nail the right tone for the Thor movies. Yeah. Um, the first one I think is pretty good. The second one is probably my least favorite of the Marvel movies in total. Um, the third one, which you haven't seen, I think they finally kind of figured out after Guardians of the Galaxy came out, I think they sort of figured out the right tone with Ragnarok, and that's why it was so much better. Um, so it, it takes a little while for them to figure out exactly how to fit Thor into this sort of grounded universe on yeah. Earth. Well, and I said, you know, I, I would have liked to see more of that humor. And what I've heard just through you guys is Thor Ragnarok is really funny. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what makes that film. Um, so, yeah, I've got <laughs> I've got eight to go, guys, in a matter of, of four days. Uh, so we'll Hope see Hope you don't have any goes. weekend plans. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, obviously, Avengers Age of Ultron and Captain America Civil War, from what you guys have said, the two I really need mm -hmm. to see. But we'll see. I'm going to... 
try to give it a go and uh, catch up. Yeah, and we're obviously all super excited, like most people, for Avengers Infinity War. It actually is coming out tonight. Uh, yeah. People could buy tickets and go to the premiere. We're still going to go on Tuesday because that's what we do here at the Second Day Film Podcast. Um, so, uh, yeah, look for next week, Avengers Infinity War. All right, anything else you guys are watching that you wanted to mention before we get to the featured review? Uh, yeah, I did watch one other movie that I was really impressed with the other day, um, and that's uh, Only the Brave from 2017. Uh, this movie was directed by Joseph Kaczynski and stars Josh Brolin, Miles Teller, Jennifer Connelly, Jeff Bridges, and some others. Uh, this is based on the true story of the Granite Mountain Hotshots, which is a group of elite firefighters uh, who risk everything to protect a, protect a town from a historic wildfire. That's the IMDb uh, sort of summary. I liked pretty much everything about this movie, if I'm being honest. Um, but but I think what really got me into it is the fact that I was so interested in subject matter that I knew so little about. Um, you know, I felt like I was learning throughout this movie. You know, here in Michigan, uh, fortunately, we don't generally have to deal with crazy, massive wildfires. Uh, but this movie does a great job of sort of putting the tactics and strategy of what these wildfire firefighters out west do on screen without treating it like a seminar or a lesson. It comes really naturally within the story. Um, the story is told sort of from the top in the form of Josh Brolin, who's like the captain of this squad, and the bottom in the form of Miles Teller, who's sort of like this... Uh, he's a challenged, last-chance recruit, we'll say. Um, we get really invested in the plight of the men in this group and their stories. Um, there's some, there's all this sort of great banter when they're out in the, on the mountains talking about, like, women they've slept with and sports, and it's it feels really natural and real, like, what a group of guys who are out doing this manly work would be talking about. It does a good job building the bond between them. There's fantastic visuals of this movie, like in the forest where fire is ripping through and surrounding them. Uh, there's one sh overhead shot in particular where they're in a helicopter heading towards the fire and the camera captures an elk that's like running full speed right at the inferno. And I think it's such a cool metaphor for this movie because these guys are literally running into the blaze when they should, common sense wise, be running the other way. Right. I watched the commentary and they, they talked about how that shot of that elk was completely by chance. Uh, that they huh. actually got it, but they were talking about how it's just so thinning. Um, in the end, it's a heartbreaking story. It's obviously fact-based, so you can look up what happened. Um, but I think it's a really important, honest, and powerful tribute to real-life heroes. Um, it's super important to me that movies like this get made, but sort of like Patriot's Day, the movie about mm -hmm. the Boston Marathon that yep. came out a couple years ago, I think this one really hits all the right marks. And, and I actually gave it a 9 out of 10, which I do not hand out. Uh, no, I don't no. give out 10, so 9 out of 10 is as high as it goes for me. Probably what have a couple dozen maybe nine probably i mean, I mean wow. I, but i i originally rated this an eight and i had texted you guys and then i thought about it a little bit and i was like you know what I, there's really not a reason this movie shouldn't get a nine sometimes so, wow. yeah we look for ways to cut movies down and if you can't find it you can't find it they also they have a nickname for themselves right doesn't the group of firefighters kind of call themselves something? Well, they're the, they're the hot shots. Yeah, the Granite yeah, Mountain hot shots yeah. is what they are. But what, what we learned, and this is sort of goes back to some of the or educational stuff that I'm talking about, is that there's actually these tiers of wildlife firefighters out west. Okay. And only the best of the best get to call themselves hot shots and get sort of... Uh, certified as tier one uh the rest of them are they call them deucers if they're like tier uh, two and they aren't yeah. they don't quite get to do things but it's like this whole culture that obviously here in michigan we aren't really exposed to um but it, it was a really interesting movie it's funny because i i hear certain things like i hear you say there's this group of guys who 
you know, have these just kind of conversations about everything and the dialogue is really great and they're running in when everybody else would be running away. And just hearing some of those things, it kind of reminds me of a war film, almost some parallels between this unit of men who are, you know, throwing themselves into something that's dangerous. Yeah, you definitely get a vibe, you know, like they are a unit. I mean, they're talking about Alpha Squad, Beta Squad. Yeah. I mean, they, they really are like uh, like they're in a war with fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and But just some of the tactics that they use, they don't have water up in these mountains. Um, so they have to use sort of different tactics with digging a line, and they actually light things on fire on purpose mm-hmm. to try and light the send the fire in a certain direction. Um, it was just a really cool movie in terms of both subject matter and also uh just from a story standpoint it's 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 a good movie cool yeah how about um, you sam anything else cool. you you wanted to mention anything about about the movie that champ mentioned yeah the uh i have actually have a friend that fought wildfires too so i kind of have a little basis but i really wanted to touch base to um miles teller he he started a movie thank you for your service that i watched recently um that was really good it was heartfelt kind of showed the um you know kind of what you know veterans fall victim to is coming back and having to live a real world life after you know devoting all their time and their service and miles teller played an excellent role in that kind of being like the confidant like out of his buddies um obviously some certain things played out that you know weren't in his favor and he's had the flashbacks as well but it kind of his friends took it a lot harder than he did um but just the role he played there i know we were at your house um for well the last pod and um, Whiplash, yeah, with I, Miles I Teller. I haven't seen that yet, but that's when I. Need that's to another. See. Phenom- that's when I really started to like Miles Teller. Is when I watched Whiplash. It was, you know, I could see like how he would be coming, and I just like a lot of roles that he's done. Um, War Dogs with uh, Jonah Hill. I do like that one with him as well. Yeah, um, he- I, I think he's definitely considered a rising star. Like. For a sure, very quickly rising star in the film industry for some of those versatile roles. I mean, is he? He, does he, he is. He's show? great. He's really good in this movie. Yeah. He is. Um, so is Josh Brolin, though. Um, and honestly, Jennifer Connelly, uh, she plays the sort of wife of Josh Brolin. This is obviously a really taxing job that they have. They spend a lot of time away. So that sort of relationship that you were talking about with how do you, you know, devote enough time to your wife and your family and still have this important but very taxing job those relationships are explored really well and jennifer Con- connelly yeah. is really good at being vulnerable but strong at the same time really good performances around the board but i agree miles teller uh on the fast track to being one of the better actors yeah, i really here. dig him he's a good guy absolutely all right guys it is that time we're going to get to our featured review solo review today and it is isle of dogs the japanese archipelago 20 years in the future Canine saturation has reached epidemic proportions. An outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of Megasaki. Mayor Kobayashi issues emergency orders, calling for a hasty quarantine. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony. The Isle of Dogs. I don't think I can stomach any more of this garbage. Exactly. Same here. Words out of my mouth. Nobody's giving up around here, and don't you forget it, ever. You're Rex. You're King. You're Duke. You're Boss. I'm Chief. We're a pack of scary, indestructible alpha dogs. All right, so this film, Isle of Dogs, I Love Dogs, there's kind of a play on words in the title there. 
Um, this is starring, uh, of course, these are all voices, uh, voice actors. Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, Greta Gerwig, Francis McDormand, Scarlett Johansson, Harvey Keitel, Yoko Ono, Tilda Swinton. Should I keep going, guys? <laughs> Uh, Leave Schreiber. I mean, there are a ton of big names that have uh, played a, a, a part in this. Uh, Angelica Houston. Um, and, of course, as I said, they're all voice actors. So this is directed uh, by Wes Anderson. And uh, to say that he is, uh, you know, a creative mind is probably an understatement. Um, if you're not familiar with him, and I haven't seen many of his films, but he did uh, The Fantastic Mr. Fox, The Royal Tenenbaums, uh, The Grand Budapest Hotel. So they're all kind of different, yeah. his films. And um, Champ, uh, as you explain what this is about... You know, it's 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 different. It's Wes Anderson kind of unique style. Yeah, well, we'll just real quick just read the, the plot uh, from IMDb. Set in Japan, Isle of Dogs follows a boy's odyssey in search of his lost dog. Uh, so that's a pretty generic plot. But yeah, Wes Anderson movies, chances are, so Evan, you and me both took film classes in college. I don't know if this ever happened, but if you went around in a film class and you asked, you know, people our age who their favorite director is, chances are some dude in the back is going to stand up and say Wes Anderson. <laughs> and it's because he has a super distinct, quirky style to his movies. And this movie, Isle of Dogs, um, is no different. It's a stop-motion animated film. It's actually his second one after uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, which was released in 2009. I it's, guess real quick, let's explain stop-motion, just so people who aren't familiar with that, you know, what it is. Go for it. So if I'm thinking of it correctly... Um, we're thinking of movies where you're basically taking either clay pieces or action figures and you're, you know, you're getting a shot and then you're doing subtle movements with the action figure that you're shooting the screen with. I mean, it is an intricate process. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be clay. The, the look of this one is, I guess you could say they're clay, but they're not really. It's, it's sort of like felt creatures i but yeah the stop motion process of filmmaking is fascinating yeah but anyway so it's a unique style of of uh, uh animation anyways like i said wes anderson has his his fingerprints all over this it's a, got a highly distinctive visual style um it sort of has you know uh on-screen chapters where they literally says chapter one chapter two chapter three um in this case there's a narrator played by courtney b vance that's a name you didn't even mention um but he <laughs> reads the sort of title cards. Um, and because of that, this movie has sort of like a, a storybook feel because of the animation and because the narrator is so prevalent in it. It feels like someone's sort of reading you a story and you're, you're sort of watching along. It has that classic 70s soundtrack that Wes Anderson's known for. Um, this, this movie is like odd, but, but charming. I would say it's, it has humor in it. Um, with the way that the dogs talk, it's sort of that dry, strange humor. Um, it's not really like roll on the ground, like laugh out loud funny, but I feel like I was like grinning throughout the whole movie. You know, I had like a constant, like, it's just so amusing look on my face. Um, that being said, there were times when Carolyn, my girlfriend, or sorry, my fiance, when I went to the movie, get used to that. Not used to that yet. (laughs) When I went to the movie was, we were literally laughing very loudly. Um, you know, like like many of Wes Anderson's films, you're sort of thrust into this sort of naturally occurring self-contained world. Um, but one thing I, I really liked about this movie was the way it sort of communicated things to the audience. Um, we have, a, as you saw with that uh, cast reading, we have a, a bilingual cast with English actors who speak English and actors who speak Japanese. Um, so 
uh, in this movie, the characters, whether they're Japanese or English-speaking, they only speak English or Japanese, and there's no subtitles on the screen. So when the Japanese characters are talking, we don't necessarily know what they're saying. You have to just sort of watch what's happening. The only translations that are done are by literal characters that are translators in the story. Um, there's a foreign exchange student that will sometimes translate, or the narrator, Courtney B. Vance, will directly tell us. Mm -hmm. So, and Anderson even tells us at the beginning of the start of the film that this is going to be the case. He literally says, translations <laughs> in this movie are either done by this, this, or this. It's just so quirky, oh, you know. It's, okay. it's total um, Wes Anderson style. Uh, when you get to the movie itself, it has a lot of heart, obviously. Um, it's a fun journey we go on. You know, this movie, obviously, it centers on the relationship between dogs and humans. And that's something most people can relate to and, and really enjoy. Except for you, Evan, because you don't like dogs. Okay. This has been a totally overstated <laughs> joke among the SDFC. I do like dogs. We won't even dive into that joke. But um, <laughs> what I'm curious about, though, Champ, so this is set in Japan, as, I, as we said with the plot it's a, a boy who lost his dog and he's trying to find his dog but you see on the even on the film poster it's it's the boy and all dogs so i'm wondering do the dogs talk can dogs and humans communicate yeah most of the dogs uh most of the characters or the the uh actors you just read are the dogs i think okay. this, uh what he what is shown in all the trailers it's he meets up with this pack of alpha dogs who is voiced by uh brian cranston jeff goldblum uh, Bill Murray and Edward Norton and then one other actor that I'm forgetting sort of make up the the core group of alpha dogs yeah. um, so yes the dogs can talk to the kid but they don't speak Japanese because all he speaks is Japanese so they can't actually talk to each other the dogs will literally say at certain points like well, I wish someone spoke his language <laughs> so nobody can under you cannot understand the boy through the entire film no he only speaks Japanese wow that's unique yeah so you have our main character here or at least one of them. I think uh, one of the dogs voiced by Brian Cranston is sort of the other main character. Um, but yeah, but there's all sorts of unique stuff going on on Trash Island where the dogs end up and Megasaki City where you have a mayor as sort of like the bad guy, but you have foreign exchange students. You can't understand the, the Japanese. There's no subtitles. So it's, uh, you know, it's Wes Anderson. He's going to do these quirky kind of <laughs> yeah. things to try and tell a story. I think it works for the most part in Isle of Dogs. Well, Harry, that's uh, the pre-spoiler review. What I think is interesting as I look through this on IMDb is some of the movie posters are the different dogs and the voice actor who plays them, and uh, it looks it looks pretty quirky. I think quirky is a good way to describe it. So, Champ, um, for those who have seen it, um, you know, I guess what are some of your takeaways? I mean, uh, you know, for for I guess for people who haven't, like Sam and I, it's almost hard to picture this world because it's so different. But uh, for those who have, what do you think? Well, yeah, the world, like I said, you know, like most Wes Anderson films, you know, like Grand Budapest Hotel, for example, or the Royal Tenenbaums, which I actually just watched the other night, too. The story sort of happens. It's in a place that could be real, but it seems so, like, small and naturally occurring, like what's happening within the space. Uh, the world, uh, Megasaka City is obviously not a real place in Japan. This is supposed to take, like... 25, 30 years in the future. But the look of like everywhere they go on Trash Island has like a distinct look to it. The idea and the story is interesting. Um, I, I love the little details in this movie. Um, once once we get to Trash Island where the dogs are, we meet some interesting characters. There's a, a purebred dog named Nutmeg who's voiced by uh, Scarlett Johansson. And she says things like, I was raised a show dog. 
that's not who I am. But at the same time, she likes to do like these tricks to uh, impress the male dogs. So they're sort of inhabiting these dog characteristics, but they're also making fun of like the dog things that dogs do, if that makes sense. The dogs will talk about like what their favorite meal is. And it's like classic things that people give dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's these dogs, uh, they're like sages named Jupiter and Oracle. Um, and so they all think that this one dog, Oracle, can tell the future, but really she can just understand the TV so she can tell them what's going to happen. And they all think that she's like magic. Like there's all these just funny things. There's insight into the minds of dogs. Like if dogs could talk, I mentioned the food. Um, at one point, Chief played by Brian Cranston won't sit and all the other dogs are like appalled, like Chief, you're being disobedient. You know, it's like, just <laughs> that's like, what I was going to ask. Are the dogs pets or are they kind of strays? Well, that's part of the story is okay. what you come to find out is that most of them, the big pack, the main pack here are pets. Chief was a stray. Okay. So he has like this whole like issue with humans and people. And throughout the story, we see him grow, you know, with uh, our main character, Atari. Um, but the journey we go on is fun, particularly when the dogs first meet Atari and also when they decide at the end to band together and get off the island to go back to Megasaka City. Um, I did think the middle portion dragged a little bit. It took a little bit of a, um, uh, it took a little bit too long to get to where we needed to get, but once we did, it was cool. I think for the most part, the representation of like Japanese culture is good. There's these cool like drum beats that play throughout it. Um, you know, there's, there's some good sort of homages to what Japan is. I've heard some criticism. Some people say that there's a little bit of whitewashing going on and that the foreign exchange student falls under the the white savior archetype that people like to bring up. Mm. I didn't get a whole lot of that. I, I thought it was all well done and, and you know, um, I'm missing the word here, respectful. Sure. Um, so I wasn't getting that. But in the end, it's a unique story with a highly unique, if not odd, look. The animation is incredible. Uh, the world feels lived in and believable. You know, I, you guys know this. I applaud Anderson for taking chances that he does and making sort of a unique movie. And it's a relationship about dogs and humans. How do you not love that? So what did you give it? Uh, I ended up giving it an 8 out of 10. That's so, pretty solid, then. So, yeah, wow. I, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it, I, I actually, like I said, I just watched uh, The Royal Tenenbaums the other day. I've seen Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, hmm. Both movies I like. There's a couple other Wes Anderson movies I haven't seen that I need to. Um... But yeah, I like the movie a lot. Are you feeling okay? I know you look a little red right now, but I mean, usually it's a six or a seven, and you're up to eight and nine today. I just had to ask if he's okay. Well, yeah, um, I think like the last three movies I've given have all been eights or nines, so I'm, I'm so we're on a good track. I'm on a good streak of watching Let's good go. movies. That's what we I, want I, here, right? I'm, Isn't that I'm, the... well? Yeah, I've doled out a lot of eights in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So let's go for a nine with Infinity War. Let's go for it. I haven't given any nines yet. What about a ten? I don't know about that. Did you have any questions about Isle of Dogs, Sam? Anything you're um, curious about? Because I do have one quick comparison I want to ask him about. I wasn't too... Like, I've never seen any Wes Anderson films. I wasn't too high up on the hype train, I guess. I was... um, Not that I wouldn't have gone and seen it. Like, I'm not saying that at all. Sure. Um, There's a couple more that I was really pushing for that maybe we would have saw. Um, Sam Sam put in his one vote for Rampage. Super Troopers 2, by the way, was one vote short. It was very close. And, man, that would have been an interesting movie. But I had to make sure Rampage didn't feel left out because no one likes to be left out. So I did throw the one vote. 
It it kind of took some harsh criticism though too with the one bowl. <laughs> yeah, most eating. Yeah. We've already done a movie based on a video game. I'm good. <laughs> Sam was so. feeling bad for that 400 foot monkey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. the 400 foot monkey or the 1700 freaking rock film that's going on yeah, right now. Right. But no, I was um, me being a pet owner now as of recent since uh, since March here. Um, you do grow an attachment with the dog, so like I really did want to know like. What is a dog thinking? Like those yeah. those things where you were saying like she can understand the TV and you kind of wonder like dogs look at each other funny and we see this, you know, champ, when our dogs interact with each other, what are they saying to each other? Are they fighting or are they playing? You never really can tell. One takes one out by the legs and it's kind of cool that I guess it's a really sweet concept as like how these dogs are communicating with each other and what they're really, you know, what their overall plan or goal is to, especially with a stray to a pet owner because they look at it as oh, this is my human. They come from completely different worlds. So combine that with a sort of Wes Anderson deadpan dry humor, yeah. and you can see how you would get a movie that's sort of unique. Yeah, yeah. So What I'm curious about, have you ever seen Oliver and Company? Because that's a film about strays that meet a young girl and kind of the relationship between independence for dogs and being pets. Yeah, I mean, Oliver, I saw Oliver and Company a long time ago. Um, well, yeah. So I don't even really remember. I remember it being kind of a forgettable Disney movie, honestly. And I don't think that it comes near the okay. level of Oliver. You don't dogs. think that they pulled any ideas from Oliver. I just mention it because it, it is, that's an interesting, the animals themselves, the dogs themselves, would they rather be stray or would they rather be pets? Is that a theme that's brought up? Definitely. This? There's definitely that dynamic of what's better. And, you know, because obviously Japan, a lot of the people in Megasaki City have sort of had a change of opinion of dogs. There's a sort of constant throughout, uh, constant theme throughout of, Whatever happened to man's best friend? Why have we turned our back on the dogs? I think part of it, there's a little bit of commentary going on, and I should have mentioned this earlier, where the the main villain, the mayor, is sort of trying to create fear and paranoia, and he thrusts that into dogs, like they're the issue of everything. Yeah. So he's sort of trying to distract the public, and it works. They sort of brainwash them. But what happens through Atari and the foreign exchange student who sort of rises up and collects a faction of people that are pro-dog, um, I think it, it really ends up, uh, being sort of a cool climax with what happens. Cool. So an 8 out of 10 for Isle of Dogs, so definitely a recommend from Champ. That's all we have for you on today's show. Uh, we've got, obviously, a huge release coming next week, uh, Avengers Infinity War. Um, so we're going to be getting ready for that. Um, but before we let you go, real quick, we want to run down um, the ways to get in touch with us, Champ. Let's do it. Yep, Facebook page. Please search Second Day Film Podcast. Give us a like. Uh, tell us what movies to see. Do whatever you want. Interact on there. We love the interaction. Uh, same thing on SoundCloud. You can search Second Day Film Podcast. iTunes, search Second Day Film Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. We're on Twitter, Second Day Film. It's all written out. Email, uh, secondayfilm at gmail.com. And our website is secondayfilm.com. We got a lot of uh, sort of stuff up there. And also, Sammy just came through with our business card. So hey. if you want a, like a, a quick little handy card to check it out. Uh, if you're in the GR area, Tuesday, usually we go after 8. Find us in the lobby. We'll be yeah. hanging out there. I have a plenty of business cards. They actually are pretty cool. Vistaprint did a hell of a job. Um, we just want you to have one to kind of check them out. And, you know, uh, that will give you all the ways to connect. And plus, sit down and watch a movie with us, you know? Gives yeah. you a better way to kind Absolutely. of... We want to pick your brain after the film. And that way you can listen to the pod and see, you know what you thought of it, and how it correlates how we thought of it. And one more thing, real quick before we let you go. I don't know how we missed mentioning this. Champ, 
The return of an old friend. Yes, the return of the popcorn bucket. <laughs> the refillable bucket has made its return from the dead. I got a nice little uh, Avengers Infinity War bucket the other night. So we got those oh, they're on sale now. Oh, yeah. I got it. I got one. It's upstairs. You can say hi before you leave. Oh, uh, the but shrine. It's all about uh, you know the refillable bucket. They're out there until October. So Ooh. I'm getting some use out of it. Let's so. go film fans. Going to save us some big time money, the people who go regularly. So on that note, we are going to say goodbye for this week. Uh, we hope to see you next week for the review of Avengers Infinity War. Uh, and until then, have a great week.